1: No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, welcome to First and Pod, Week 18 edition. I'm Danny Parkins. Spencer Ray is our producer. Andrew Filipponi uh, will be here shortly. We taped basically right when the 325 Central game ended through the start of Sunday Night Football, everything other than Bill's Dolphins. Pony had some live TV to do in Pittsburgh after Sunday Night Football because the Steelers made the playoffs today, and so he will join us in just a moment. Uh, I will handle Bill's Dolphins by myself, and all I'll say is, you know, 21-14, they both knew they were going to make the playoffs, so some of the drama was taken out of it, but Tons of mistakes, pretty sloppy game. Josh Allen was awful in the first half. Christian Wilkins with an incredible sack, force fumble recovery for yet another turnover for him. But that's four straight division titles for the Bills. The Dolphins have to just be kicking themselves for... I mean, this game flipped on the punt return. That was a, a massive moment in the game. They had that one-point loss to the Titans on Monday night football. You know they've got to have some feeling of man, the Jets lose Rodgers for the season, and Buffalo goes through all of the drama, turmoil, and inconsistency that they went to, and they still can't win this division, and they only put up 14 points on the game heading into the postseason. So you know, on the surface, 11 wins and making the postseason, and some of the incredible offensive numbers uh, were there. We'll see if Tyreek wins Offensive Player of the Year, uh, but it feels like they could be. You know, McDaniel won't win coach of the year. Tua for a moment was an MVP guy. Tyreek was an MVP guy. That goes away. Maybe Tyreek carries uh, offensive player of the year. But if they go to Kansas City and lose in the postseason, uh, it's going to feel pretty empty with no division title and no marquee postseason award and obviously no playoff win. And, you know, Josh Allen, I know he's a polarizing guy. Uh, and I've been a proponent of his. He just every year he figures out a way to put up, you know another thirty touchdown forty four hundred yard season. but uh, he he definitely makes too many mistakes. He definitely turns the ball over. But you saw in the second half of this game, like why he can be scary when he runs more because the dude's a truck. And I know he got stuffed on the final fourth and one to give Miami one last time, but he had plenty of plays that he was making uh, with his legs that just make him a very unique weapon. So now that we know all the broadcasts and the whole situation, I'll run it through for you. First game of the postseason, Browns at Texans. As of now, Cleveland is a one-and-a-half-point road favorite in Houston, which feels a little disrespectful to my guy, C.J. Stroud. Not going to lie to you. Uh, I like the over of 43 and a half in that game. We'll do the full breakdown of the postseason on the next pod, but just want to run this through for you. The Peacock game, like I said, I can't wait for the story from like Andrew Marchand or Jimmy Trainer or someone that'll tell us how this happened. Because there had to have been a draft. Because Chiefs at Arrowhead, uh, other than Cowboys, Packers, and arguably Lions, Rams, but I would still think Mahomes, I would think that Peacock might have gotten the second pick in the draft here because it's kind of crazy that uh, Mahomes is going to be behind a paywall against Tua and the Dolphins. And if I would have told you before the year that they were playing in the postseason, and that total was 47.5 at open, That something crazy would have happened. That would have been an ex- expected 55, 57 point total uh, for a postseason game. Then, Steelers Bills is the early Sunday game. Buffalo opens as a 7.5 point favorite in that one. Uh, I'm not terribly interested. We'll get Pony's thoughts on that in a minute on uh, seeing Pittsburgh in the postseason. Uh, game that will get the highest number in terms of the TV ratings. Cowboys a seven-point favorite in the afternoon slate on Fox against the Packers. Old-school 90s feel to that. And, of course, Mike McCarthy against his old team. And that's actually the second-highest point total of the wild-card weekend at 49. Only to be topped by the game we've talked about for weeks, the Sunday nighter, Rams-Lions, a billion storylines in that one Detroit right now sitting at a three and a half point favorite uh over the Rams wouldn't shock me if that settled at three there's a lot of love out there uh for the Rams but that's a high total basically going to give the uh the point spread advantage to the home field team and then Eagles a two and a half point favorite as of now in Tampa Bay that is by far if you would have said you know Eight weeks ago, these are the matchups. I think we would have all been floored, obviously, by the situation with the Browns. And uh, the idea that the Eagles would be a road team as less than a three-point favorite against an NFC South champ would have been the most confusing thing. If you would have shown someone this in like week eight, week 10, uh, the wild card matchup. But uh, the postseason is set and we will be here for you with everything, of course, on first and pod. For the wild card weekend, but now to get to the rest of the games and what was a surprisingly entertaining, uh, given all the backups, week 18, welcome in Andrew Filipponi to uh, react, give us his first thought to the Jaguars losing and gifting his Pittsburgh Steelers a ticket to the postseason.
0: Mason Rudolph saved the Steelers' season, and they were in a swoon that had uh, Mike Tomlin and his approval rating at its all time lowest. Mitch Trubisky, both that signing, doubling down on bringing him back as the backup quarterback, having him lose games to the Patriots and Colts, had many people questioning the entire Steelers philosophy on uh, team roster building and everything else. And the dude that had been here since 2018, uh, maligned by Ben Roethlisberger from the day he was drafted, ended up being the guy that got them to the playoffs. It is a surreal story. I mean, it's it's literally like somebody, the NFL scriptwriters wanted to come up with a Steelers season that made me look as dumb as possible. <laughs> Tomlin gets his winning record, Pickett's a nothing. Pickett gets benched, and the quarterback that I have openly mocked <laughs> and given him a moniker that I'm surprised it's not listed on pro football reference as his nickname, Mediocre Mason lifted them to the playoffs and set a Steelers completion percentage record in the rain against the Ravens uh, on Saturday. Yeah, just wild, man. And, you know, the one thing that I ended up being pretty clairvoyant about is once he went in, I had a good feeling about it, to be honest with you, because I did think that he possessed some traits like his ability to push the ball downfield that was going to open things up for them in the run game. And when teams cheated against the run, he was going to be able to make them pay for that. He's got three touchdown passes this year, over 60 yards, Danny. Two is the only quarterback in the NFL with more. And the guy, honest, played three I'm games.
1: particularly interested in watching him in the postseason with no TJ Watt on your defense. Like it's, I'm not terribly thrilled that you guys made the playoffs. It's like this version of Pittsburgh made the playoffs. My outsider perspective is not very interested in you guys against Buffalo
0: or Kansas City. Oh, you'd rather watch what what the, what was left of the Jaguars at the end of the season than the Steelers. You'd rather watch Trevor Lawrence throw interceptions and uh, them really, outside of Evan Ingram, get very little production from their wide receivers and their defense get gashed over and over again by Derrick Henry, where he's had a season well, high Yards after he looked like he was ready for the glue factory earlier this year. You'd rather watch that team that lost five of six uh, down the stretch? Uh yes, I would, but
1: I'm a sucker for quarterbacks whose names I know. But also, I would just say this like it's not it's it's just more of an anti like Pittsburgh being boring and it's not about the future thing. Trevor Lawrence, man, that's that's a problem. Like they will pick up the fifth year option and commit to him and treat him like a franchise quarterback and talk about paying him. I'm not sure if they'll actually do the contract extension or not. I would guess not, but they will say and do all of the right things for him this off season. But, and he looks the part he can make any throw on the field. He's got the arm. He's got the size, all of that stuff. But we have been on this now for two years and I was on it hard before the season people tried to make them into something that they weren't before they had accomplished anything. Anything. Like, yeah, they took a step forward when they lost Urban Meyer and they infused competent coaching. No question. But that is an awful loss. And you stack it with the awful collapse in the postseason and the incredible amount of turnovers – that this guy continues to have it's I don't know man I they'll pay him but I'd be very concerned that this guy just doesn't hang on to the ball his second interception maybe it was injury maybe it's the thumb maybe it's the shoulder that's making him airmail all those throws but he's got some Jimmy Garoppolo to him where he
0: looks like a franchise quarterback my god Dude, I'm just saying. I'm uh, I'm fl- I'm flabbergasted by most of this take. I agree with the premise that that Lawrence's numbers, when you look at them, do not reflect his opinion. The, the opinion of him, where he is not produced like he gets talked about, which is he's already been put into the club of elite quarterbacks. You know, five or you know, between maybe five to eight guys in the NFL that you'd want to build your team around he already gets put in that class without having a monster statistical. Jordan Love had a better year in 2023 than anything Trevor Lawrence has done from a numbers-based thing. But they, they for, for, I think you said colla- they didn't collapse in the playoffs. They they took advantage of a team that collapsed. You know, That's I'm right. Not,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fl- fl- uh, I I'm mixed not, up
0: Her- Herbert and Lawrence. Yeah, my, yes, bad, my bad. Which I oh, get yeah. because they're both, you know, aesthetic quarterbacks. Yes, 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 uh, yes, 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 yes. I – I think Lawrence has two pretty good excuses for his for, for two out of the three years where he didn't get it done in and, and win a playoff game. The Urban Meyer thing, like you mentioned, and then this year, just all of the injuries that added up. Um I I'm still more a believer in him than not, but I will confess that you're right about his penchant for some of these turnovers, it is a little Josh Allen-esque with him, where there's some recklessness to his game and carelessness that seeps in. And unlike Allen, you don't have like the big gaudy statistical games and monster games to make up for it. So I still think they're in pretty good shape. But the bigger story to me for the Jags is that you have Stroud in your division now. And last year at this time, we were talking about how You know, there was uncertainty at the quarterback position on those other three teams, and Houston had won in Week 18 to keep themselves from getting Bryce Young. Well, they they lucked into the best quarterback by far from that draft class, and we don't know what Anthony Richardson is yet, but we know he's got a damn good coach who's going to get the best out of him. So their road both to win their division and compete in the AFC, I think, got harder this year. So we're
1: gonna we obviously do every team, every game, every week, but we'll call this covering the Pittsburgh game, the Jags Titans game, the Colts, Texans game, and Browns-Bengals, because nothing really was meaningful from Browns-Bengals today. I saw
0: one meaningful thing from that game. I don't know if you saw it. I was just
1: gonna say the reason I included that in the opener was because Texans play the Browns. Well, let me tell you,
0: I'll give you something right now that was worth it from that game. Go ahead. The the Browning family box. Did you see Mrs. Browning? She,
1: I think girlfriend Browning. Yeah, girlfriend (laughs) Browning came to play. Oh my. It was a a playoff game. I spilled my
0: drink. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a playoff game for the Brownings. I I liked liked the
0: tweet, but then I remembered that people could see your like. So then I had to unlike it and bookmark it instead. It's a true story. That was, by, that was by far. You know, Burrow's a pretty swaggy guy. I think Browning is too. I think it's rubbed off on him a little bit. Um, yes. All right.
1: I'm the, in agreement with you. That the that Colts was, that was-
0: thing, and I know it's we're a little bit late on this because it's a Saturday game, and I don't want to rehash things that people have already seen on TV all day Sunday, but I like Steichen a lot. I don't for the life of me understand – what happened at the end there with a timeout first before the fourth down play. And then you've got probably your third or fourth best running back in the game and not Jonathan Taylor on fourth and one. And I know that Taylor had left the game, but he had come back in. He was out there earlier on that drive. He was their best offensive player in that game. And he was the last two games of the season and they paid him to to return this year from his holdout and be their best player. Why he's not on the field there is just a total brain fart. And the play still should have worked. I mean, it still ended up being a good play call. The throw needs to be better, and obviously the running back got his hands on the ball and should still make the play. But I, one of my best friends and someone who's a loyal listener to this podcast, Colts fan Greg, uh, is just you know beside himself because of what happened there. And by the way, Colts friend, fan Greg, I think I told you this, He got married on the day Andrew Luck retired. That's an all-time story. And it ruined his wedding day. And he doesn't say that it did, but I know how fanatical he is. It did. And every time the anniversary date comes up, I think he spends more time lamenting Luck's retirement than he does his nuptials and his uh, great marriage. But yeah, I mean, do you agree with me on that? Like, Steichen... I'm going to say it. That's actually a play that, when I'm splitting hairs on Coach of the Year, I would hold that against him in the overall analysis. Yeah, of course, of man. Well, I,
1: I said on the last pod, I said that if he if he won the game and they made the playoffs, that I'd make the case for him. But that's how fickle these sort of things are. There there can only be one Coach of the Year. You know, this isn't a this isn't an All Star team. This isn't a Pro Bowl. So. Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans and Dan Campbell uh, are probably going to finish ahead of him in the voting, even though it was an incredibly impressive season, but a disappointing ending for sure. All right. Ask me my, about my game. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I
0: didn't have, it no, it's okay. That.
1: We're just, we're just, you know, about but, that I, time. but I do That's now,
0: what, what if anything did today mean for the bears future, the Packers beat green Bay again at Lambeau, they clinch a playoff spot, they sweep the Bears, they sandwich first game of the year, last game of the year, and they move on, and it ends your Bear season, and it sets up, I would say, outside of what happens in the next few days with Belichick and where he goes, as far as on the field, clearly the best story in the NFL this offseason will be what happens with the Bears at quarterback. So I would like to think that
1: now that Ryan Poles is in charge and Kevin Warren is in charge, that one data point against the Packers will not carry outsized importance and value and weight internally. Ryan Poles said that he's deleted Twitter until after the draft. He's not going to be taking (laughs) feedback from fans, that they are going to hunker down and be diligent and deliberate in how they go through this. But in the past, that's been a question because the McCaskey family, they're fans by their own admission. And they, by their own admission, hate losing to Green Bay as often as they have. So, like, there's always, like, this undertone of pressure from ownership and overreactions uh, from Packers games. But for the fans, man, this shifted opinions. Like, I can I can prove it to you with, de- with data. New Year's Eve. Do you want Matt Eberflus coaching the Bears next year? I posted that poll question. 5,800 and some odd votes. Mm. It was 61% no, 39% yes. Eight days ago. Right when the game ended. Second the clock hit zeros today. I got 3,200 votes in 50 minutes on the same question. Do you want Matt Eberflus to be the Bears head coach next year and of the future? Ninety percent no. So one game, one week, thirty percent moving against Matt Eberflus, and you can say that's recency bias or whatever the case may be. I understand that, but they got out coached, they got outplayed, they got beat thoroughly on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, and Jordan Love looked light years ahead of Justin Fields. I did not like how little they actually threw the ball with Fields. Bryce Young threw the ball a bunch two weeks ago against Green Bay. They scored 30. Justin Fields threw it 16 times today. They scored nine. So I know that Fields struggles against the zone and his run game was limited. I understand that. But they were thoroughly outclassed and thoroughly outplayed. And I have been advocating for cleaning house at coach, coordinator, and quarterback and taking your shot at greatness and seeing what type of coaching candidates could be attracted to a really good roster with really good draft capital and really good cap space and Caleb Williams attached to it. And I am cautiously optimistic that this result was bad enough where I'm going to get my wish, but I will be floored, floored if Justin Fields is the quarterback of the Bears next year at this point. I don't know how you could commit to him when you just saw him get thoroughly outplayed by Jordan Love.
0: Yeah, I would have – it's it's funny because – you're in the cauldron you're in the you're in the uh eye of the storm there in chicago and so you live this every day of your life and so i really kind of live it vicariously through you whenever we do this together yeah and so once the steelers game wrapped up and i got done celebrating uh that's the game we didn't get it, we didn't get it in pittsburgh by the way so i had to pull it up on my third tv on on the ticket um and they never switched off of eagles giants either which was just ridiculous but that's that's beside the point. Um, look, I, I I came away from the game thinking the same way you you just you put it. If I were a Bears fan, I would want to get rid of the coach too. He's a defensive coach. Uh, the Packers didn't punt. Uh, Love threw for over three hundred yards and had two touchdowns. Uh, I'm not going to keep a defensive coach around who look, I think one of the things that people are saying about fields is that the bears never really figured out a way to get the most out of him. He had 27 rushing yards today. Uh, He should be the type of offensive weapon as a runner where teams shouldn't be able to take that away as easily. And I think for most of the season, the bears took away that weapon with fields on their own. They didn't, it wasn't about defensive, uh, schematics it was about their own maybe reservations about how much they ran him I didn't I never understood that uh you know I think in order for him to be a great quarterback he needs to be proficient at both you need to allow for him to be a runner because if he, I, I don't think it's a Lamar Jackson thing where he's just going to succeed as more of a pocket passer I think you've got to keep that running thing going so they never struck the right balance there this year Danny and I would, I'm with you. You've said this a lot. I just for, with Caleb Williams, I'd want a fresh start, and I'd want during this offseason to be able to sell the best coaching prospects on the idea of coming here and teaming up with a generational quarterback talent. I mean, th- like you're you're doing your organization a disservice if that's not the way you attack this offseason. Come work for us and get on the you know, bottom floor of the Caleb Williams experience and be the guy that is with him for the next 10 to 15 years. Right? I mean, that's...
1: Uh, 100%, 100%. Dude, they gave Mitch Trubisky, John Fox, and then fired him after year one. They gave Justin Fields, Matt Nagy, and then fired him after year one. If you bring back Matt Eberflus because the defense improved against bad offenses and backup quarterbacks... Stupid. ...and, uh, and a Montez sweat trade and then draft Caleb Williams and then fire him after year one, it's insane. It's just it's just not learning from history. So I'd like to believe that the new leadership is smarter than that. We've got a ton more games to get to, including what what the hell Dan Campbell was doing. More First and Pod after this. All right, back in on First and Pod. The five-star reviews have been coming in. Pony, we appreciate that. Uh, leave us reviews, tweet them to us, we will retweet them. He's at the Pony Express, Pony with an I. I'm at Danny Parkins, tell a friend. This thing's only going to get bigger through the playoffs and what's going to be a busy offseason. So so Do you think that I am
0: do you think that I am gaining popularity by my instant reactions to what happens in these Steelers games or do you think that people are more appalled and freaked out by the raw version of me that they're now getting on social media? I I like you less.
1: I can tell you that that much. You're you're singing and you're you're dancing and you're just – you're pretty sick, Chubbs, but I love you. It's frivolity. Um, Yeah, yeah. oh, that's what it is? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Lions-Vikings, is Dan Campbell crazy?
0: Uh, You know, this is the risk-reward of doing this – uh, you know, we don't back down from people. We're all in at all times. We're not gonna take a game off. We we're coming off a loss that we felt like we got screwed. The whole the whole NFL world thinks we got shafted. Uh we're we we can still get a two seed. We're gonna play and play to win and give our home fans a win over a rival team. Uh and then you lose Laporta. In the first quarter to to best case scenario, a knee bruise that will keep him out of the wild card game. Pointless. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't take their six or seven best players and sit them today. Maybe even more than that. And, and Laporta would have cracked that list. He would have made that list um, with Goff and with Hutchinson and with, I wouldn't have played St. Brown. I mean, I would have sat all of those guys today I think that's what most coaches do I don't think you're any less of a masculine coach or players coach when you do stuff like that so he took an unnecessary risk today and it came back to bite him they lost one of their best players who they were probably going to need against the Rams this weekend it's,
1: it's it's Brandon Staley and Mike Williams
0: yeah you know yep, that's right and we bar- and we crushed him for it and Staley's now- looked at as kind of a nerdy coach analytics guy and this is the polar opposite of that so I guess it doesn't it wasn't, matter and it
1: wasn't even just Laporte I mean, I mean uh, Raymond the punt returner got hurt Amon on Brown took a vicious shot late he seemed okay but I mean they're they're playing with fire the whole time I know the argument against it is that that's just what he is like you called it masculine he he goes for it on fourth and seven even when the refs screw him the kickoff team is doing some huge dance after they score, before they go and and kick the ball. Like, they have – I mean, he, he threw a pass in the middle of the field on a touchdown drive today to Dan Skipper, number 70, their offensive lineman, the one who reported but wasn't granted eligibility last week. They threw it to him at, like, the 45-yard line. The place went insane. Like, if I was a Lions fan, like a paint-my-face, wear a Scott Mitchell, Herman Moore jersey – Die Hard Lions fan, I would want to sign Dan Campbell to a lifetime contract. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I get why people love him, I get why the players love him, they play hard for him. All of those things. (laughs) There was a way to do
0: all of those things today without playing your best guys. I I agree, man. I I there was a big butt coming. Like at some
1: point, you can you have to be able to say, do the same messaging to the team and say, and you know what? And we're going to go out there and we're going to kick the Vikings ass with backups. Like, you know what I mean? Because who knows who it's going to be like, don't hell, Don't tell them all week. If you don't want to make them go through the full week of practice. And then at nine in the morning, go tap eight, eight dudes on the shoulder and say, you're sitting today. You know, it's just, if you're locked into where you're going to be in the postseason. and I know there's two and three seeds up for grabs. It's just very, very unnecessary. And it's a bummer. It's a bummer. The NFC is wide open behind San Francisco, and they would say that they could beat San Francisco. I wouldn't agree, but they, they would say it. So it's just a, uh, I, I like to see the teams at full strength in the postseason. So I thought it was unnecessarily
0: risky. I think that's a funny line that you just used there, by the way. It's wide open except for the juggernaut team. That's in their we conference. We just saw
1: them lose to 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 uh, I know. to Baltimore, though. So, like, like, like I said, it's <laughs> – you know, still, the Eastern Conference
0: up. was wide open in 1996. Besides
1: the ball. well, no, we had never seen. Okay, all right, smart guy. Let's keep it. Let's 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 get some pace. Let's, let's check some pace into this offense. All right,
0: okay? next up here.
1: Oh yeah, you've right.
0: Got the NFC East games. Dallas takes care of business. Philly doesn't. WTF happened? Okay. Coming into this year, if I would have told you that one of these teams
1: would just collapse and puke all over itself and be completely untrustworthy and be ripe for a one and none, and the other would just answer the bell, take care of business, be figuring out ways to win, be playing analytically inclined football, you would have said that it was the Mike McCarthy team that's collapsing. And I know that Philly's biggest problems are defense, and there's questions, obviously. I mean, Devontae Smith's not there. Swift was out. Hurts his middle finger. Looked like my spine with severe scoliosis. Like it, They've got some injury problems on offense that was not them. We'll see what, what team they bring in terms of health on the offensive side of the ball to the postseason. But the biggest takeaway, sorry to – and no disrespect to Cowboys fans, it's that Philly looks ripe for a first-round upset, man. They look broken, and they look like they have mailed it in. So maybe it's health on offense, but that that defense is
0: horrendous, horrendous. I don't really see any redeeming qualities about them right now. Uh, their offensive line has gotten worse as the season's gone on. It looks like it's aged out. Guys like Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey are super old. Other than what they do in short yardage situations, they don't do anything else well as an offense right now. A.J. Brown got hurt in this game. He was in a heap on the ground with a knee injury, never came back in. I mean, that's another thing that you're going to have to watch because in this game, J- Jalen Hurts was just throwing jump balls and double coverage to Julio Jones. Um, they, they, they I, I saw that the an immediate reaction out of Philly on the post-game show there was, and it's Philly, so you take this rea- this kind of thing <laughs> with a grain of salt. Yeah, But they said – They don't even think this team has hit rock bottom yet. And I don't disagree with that. I mean, they've lost five of 6 Well, go lose to Baker. Right. I mean, Tyrod Taylor at 227 passing yards in the first half of the game here. Now you're not even beating the little brother team that you stopped on all of last year, beat the Giants three times, beat them earlier this year. You've completely... Uh, you know, you've made it a one-sided rivalry. Uh, before it was okay, you know they' they're maybe they're running out of gas here last year. they are pl- playing all their good teams late in the season, but the last three games were two with the Giants and one with the Cardinals. they'll go three and0 and they'll win the division. They went one in two in those games and they tried to win all three. They didn't come into this game resting guys today. They got thoroughly outplayed. So I agree with what you said at the start of this. Like, I would say even though the Eagles were winning in this kind of smoke and mirrors method in the beginning of the year, we I think we just all assumed that they would at least give up some kind of fight here by the end of the year. I mean, maybe they're not a championship caliber team, but they're not going to go out like chumps. They suck right now, dude. If we're power ranking NFL teams, I think I'd put them last among the teams that made the playoffs. Who's worse at this at this very second? That maybe the team they're playing, Tampa. Right. I mean, that's.
1: I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd pick Green Bay against them. Rams, yes. Rams, yes. I'd, I'd, I'd pick Green Bay. Steelers, yes. The Steelers would run for 300 yards against them, dude. Ugh. I don't think Why not? Pick, I don't think I'd pick Pittsburgh against them because they are more vulnerable against the pass than against the run. Rudolph's got a passer rating over 100 in his three games. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's bad. Like I said, I, I want... Can they win shootouts in the play? Can they can they win a shootout? Because Baker's that that, that no, game's gonna. Be I don't high think school. they
0: can right now. I think Hurts. I was wrong. I, I I was partially wrong about him. I thought he was. I know he's had injury problems. We'll probably find out more about that at the end of the season. But I really thought he was going to keep. You know that Super Bowl was so good. Even though they lost, he won me kid. over. Uh, I think he's taken a pretty sizable step back this year. All right, I love this
1: drama at the end of this Falcons-Saints game. It's good to have a little bit of bad blood. Who should be more
0: pissed, Arthur Smith or Dennis Allen? Okay, so what's the argument for Dennis Allen being pissed that his players don't listen to him?
1: Insubordination. Yeah. Dude, he called – they asked – the story after the game was they asked him on the sideline if they could get Jamal Williams a touchdown. He said, no, Mm -hmm. they lined up in victory formation at the one with Jameis under center and Taysom Hill, 10 yards behind him. And Jameis just turned around and gave it to Jamal Williams who ran in for a touchdown. And the, and Jameis is just like, yeah, we talked about it. That's what we did. Like you can't have that. I like, you can hate what your coach says, but that's straight up insubordinate. I would be surprised if they cut Jameis tomorrow, like that. You you cannot do that, like like it, 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 it's in a functioning society. So like Arthur Smith doesn't know what's going on. He thinks that Dennis Allen's in on it, so mm-hmm. he's furious in the moment. But I bet you when he's and like Arthur Smith, he's gonna get fired by the time people are listening to this podcast. I would imagine. And Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts and Drake London fantasy owners are going to rejoice at it. Like, you know, he he went out terribly too, losing 48-17. I get the argument, you know, stop him or whatever. But they lined up in victory formation, man. To go up 48-17 instead of 40-17. That is straight up Bush Bush League. So I I, I think it's Dennis Allen pretty clearly.
0: And I don't think you can just uh blame. Jameis for this I mean obviously Jameis is acting like an independent contractor because he knows that he's he I think he feels like he's gotten a raw deal by the Saints that when he went there uh, Sean Payton was grooming him to take over for Drew Brees and it never happened and now he's stuck there behind Derek Carr and everything else so he it's like a scene out of Varsity Blues, though. It's like, uh, I, I know. And, and but Burke He doesn't like well, what it. I'm. Does
1: anyone have a problem with Wendell getting into the end zone? Like, God, it's crits. That's immobile. no, I know. But
0: what I'm saying is, like, the other guys went along with it. So you've got 10 NFL players who are like, yeah, okay, well, let's just do it anyways. Um, I, I I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know if Taysom Hill knew it. I, I, Jamal Williams Okay, well, Williams then
1: okay, the Curry. offensive
0: line blocked Locked. for him. And then the running back yep. still, Williams still took the ball and wanted to score. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. It, Dennis Allen strikes me as a guy who is probably an above average coordinator who still, in my opinion, has no business being an NFL head coach. Uh, I think they have one of the most nondescript coaching staffs in the entire league. There's nobody in New Orleans from a name recognition standpoint among their assistant coaches even that I think most NFL fans would recognize and know. Uh, I think it holds the team back. They played these last two games here like the team they should have been for most of the year. They should have won this division in their sleep with the caliber of players that they have. So uh, I think it reflects – answer the question, I think it reflects a lot worse on Allen than it does Arthur Smith.
1: All right. Jets, Patriots, what, if anything – If it's over, will you remember about Bill Belichick's last game?
0: That they didn't make a big deal of it at all. And that there were thousands upon thousands of empty seats there in Foxborough. Uh, It wasn't treated at all by fans, even if the organization didn't want to recognize it. They didn't send Bill Belichick off with a thanks for all the great memories. We love you and appreciate you, Bill, type moment. The players did more of that for Matthew Slater, the special teams ace than they did Belichick. There were no heartfelt moments there. Um, You know, when Brady was in that last game, when they lost the playoff game, his final year there to Tennessee, you know, it felt like uh, everybody knew that he was done and uh, the fans took notice of that and treated him thusly. There was zero of that today. With Belichick. You know, I'm not a big Belichick fan. I respect what he's accomplished. I kind of I I, I kind of got uh I don't I'm not gonna say I felt feel sorry for him, but it didn't feel appropriate, is what I wanna I guess is what I wanna say here. I thought he deserved better. The team is bad. The weather and the style of
1: game was kind of cool for Belichick's last game. Like you couldn't even see him. Like when he walked out to the, Uh, shake Salah's hand very briefly afterwards and he's wearing the winter coat and the full face mask and his head is down you couldn't he looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi Like (laughs) you, you, you had absolutely no idea who he was and they're like trying to follow him with the camera shot but you're not getting a single facial expression and obviously he showed no emotion but we have no idea he's like a player at a poker table who's wearing a hoodie sunglasses and a mask for COVID like yeah, I'm not even a hundred percent positive that that was bill Belichick on the sideline. So, you know, the broadcast was obviously talking about it. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. He's, he now is tied with Dan Reeves and Jeff Fisher for most regular season losses by a head coach with 165, And he's tied with Tom Landry for most losses combined regular season and postseason. you know, it's obviously a counting stat. Um, Far of having all the touchdowns and the interceptions, like the more games you play, the more you're going to win and the more you're going to lose. So he goes out a loser in New England. Jay Glazer in pregame took a lot of the buzz out of it. He said he expects him to be gone. I don't think he says that if he doesn't have it on pretty good accord. So I think we're going to hear about that meeting that he has with the Crafts. And I think within the next 36 hours, Bill Belichick's going to be a coaching free agent
0: one way or the other. And I still kind of think he's going to force Robert Kraft to fire him. Um, you know, and I think that, uh,
1: I I, think, well, yeah, that, I mean, if, he does, if he doesn't, then it's, that it's definitely not going to be in the next 36 hours. Cause
0: they're not going to trade him that quickly. Well, he's not going to get traded. Uh, Florio reported that he doesn't think that Belichick would go, go along with it. He doesn't think that they would get his cooperation, uh, that he would refuse to go coach a team that they mandated. He'd probably do what he did with the jets. He would just resign and then find a way to go coach somebody else. He would not be um he would not be in on that so uh yeah I mean Kraft can put up on a statement whatever he wants and can say that they mutually parted company but it just speaks to how far he's fallen that this fast the organization has left no other choice but to move on from him today summed it up I mean you hit on it they they they, they finally lost to the Jets they had won 15 in a row against them it's the first time they lost at home to the Jets jets since matt castle was the quarterback in a regular season game i mean it's done it's over and i'm i'm not convinced that bill belichick succeeds as a head coach in his next stop i'm not yeah
1: me neither you cost me my survivor pool all right more first and pod after this all right back on first and pod thanks for listening tell a friend every team every game every week we'll be previewing all of the wild card ones in our next episode but tampa carolina tampa pony Four straight trips to the playoffs, three straight division titles. I understand uh, some of it with Brady, this with Baker.
0: But organizationally, do they deserve more respect? Hey, they do this year, even though their division wasn't any good. um, For the second straight year, there were no good teams. But this was supposed to be a transition year. Salary cap, ramifications of Brady moving on. They had to eat a lot of money with that. They went with a stopgap quarterback, Baker. They only paid him $4 million. I mean, they were looked at by the odds makers as one of the very worst teams in the NFL. Uh, the South divisions were won by teams with super long odds this year. Uh, when we did our teams to win the Super Bowl draft in the offseason, I got Tampa Bay di- by default with the 32nd pick. No one took them. We looked at them as the worst team in the entire league, apparently. So yeah, I do think they should get credit. Um, you know, Todd Bowles isn't looked at as a coach of the year candidate because you know, there's not a lot of meat to their season in terms of who they beat and how they got to this record. Um, but yeah, I mean, on paper it looked like there were three better teams than them, Carolina included, when this season started.
1: Yeah, I mean, my argument for Carolina was they won seven games last year and upgraded at coaching quarterback. Not looking great. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think what they – Tampa's season – I mean, they could win a playoff game, given what we talked about with Philly, which is insane, given
0: where they were preseason. It's already crazy that they won. Uh, I think they could win two. I don't put a – I mean, I would not – I'm not saying that I would pick them to do that, but if their path is, because they're the four seed, if they go Eagles and then on the road to the Lions, and those are their two games, which they probably would be, you know, if there's an upset, you know, if like the Rams, well, I guess, hey, remember I said Tampa Bay and San Francisco were going to play in the playoffs again. (laughs) Remember I said that and you were like, no way. Yeah. Two months ago, divisional round game, possibly. All right, well, All right. Speaking of one of them, Rams Niners.
1: We got it, baby. We got Stafford Goff. As of this moment, we don't know when that game is. We know that the Texans game is the Saturday game on Peacock. I'm No, shooter. it's not a
0: Peacock game. It's the early game on NBC.
1: Oh, I apologize. Yep. I apologize. Uh, so, no, we do know Rams Lions. Sunday night football, baby.
0: Good. That is so great. It is. Um, that is going to be such a great atmosphere. Well, it's weird. I mean, they've already played each other, but it was in LA. So this is the guy's return. Um, I just, you know, for Stafford, what's going to be going through his head in that spot? I know we'll talk a lot more about this uh, on Thursday when we do our preview pod for the wildcard games, but you know, I would just hate for the Lions. If you're the Lions, you didn't want this. You didn't want your first home playoff game in 30 years to be, to have this emotional tie into it. I don't think. I think that their fans would have much, much, much preferred the Packers in a team they hate, even though they lost to that team uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Um. Now, well, there's a lot we can get into on Thursday with this, but I think of, I think if you're if you're Stafford right now, Danny, I'm having a hard time thinking about like who golf Stafford, like the people involved in this game. It's playoff games are big, but this is like now. Now you take it to an to an even uh, different level because there's it's so not, much. Is, yeah. There's so much personally on the line now in this game. For,
1: for a for a wild card game, you know, for two teams that probably have no shot at winning a Super Bowl and not, not probably not even a real shot at winning their conference, this is about as good of a, as a playoff game can be. There should be a ton of points. There's a ton of intrigue. The place is going to be rocking. There are just storylines galore. It's going to be in prime time. It's, it's pretty spectacular. I'm very, 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 very much looking forward Detroit's
0: to it. Detroit's not Dallas or um, New York or Philly, which is obviously has a huge fan base and a huge legion of fans. But I'm just very curious to see what the ticket prices are going to look like for that game. Is it possible that this ends up being the most expensive ticket in the first round, even though it's Detroit, because they've A, waited so long, and now you've got the Matt Stafford factor on top of that?
1: uh i mean yeah i think it is possible i mean the 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 other one would be packers cowboys right it's the only one that could probably
0: threaten it i would think so
1: yeah i would think that packers cowboys is the only one that could threaten it it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a awesome awesome atmosphere uh all right you got anything meaningful out of the afc west games today
0: chiefs chargers and raiders broncos you know as far as antonio pierce is concerned Five and four record as the interim coach, but what's their plan at quarterback? And if I'm the Raiders, they've gone with these big, sexy hires before with John Gruden and and Josh McDaniels. Just because they haven't worked previously, I would not steer clear of that. If my options are Jim Harbaugh or Antonio Pierce, I'd still take the big swing on Jim Harbaugh and his goofy personality, And go with that guy than someone that is, I get it, beloved uh, in that locker room. Okay? So I would not, because Mark Davis might feel like he screwed up with Basaccia, I would not try to right that wrong here by keeping Antonio Pierce. And then one last thing on Kansas City, uh, LA. How about Kelsey being inactive today? And it ended his streak of 1,000-yard seasons at eight. I actually love that that he made a decision and said, you know what, my personal stats don't mean anything. I don't care about those. I'd rather rest and get myself ready for the playoff game. You stole mine. That was... Andy Reid loves bye
1: weeks. (laughs) Like, Chris Jones, massive incentive. Uh, Kelsey, that statistic. The inactives were Rasheed Rice... Kadarius Toney, Pat Mahomes, Lajarius Sneed, Mike Dana, Donovan Smith, Travis Kelsey. I mean, a couple of their best defensive players, their quarterback, their Hall of Fame He did tight what out. Dan Campbell should have done. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And they still won. Yep. For whatever that's worth. But East and Stick,
0: doing East and Stick things with that turnover inside the five. V- but. Very quick comment on Seahawks Cardinals. Pete Carroll was asked after the game about his future. Every time stuff like this comes up with Pete Carroll, I'm reminded of how much younger he looks than his age. Belichick is the only coach older than him in the NFL. But if I didn't know any better just looking at him, I would think he was in his early 60s, Danny. He's in his mid-70s. Yes. Shout out to whatever Pete Carroll is doing to keep himself looking like that. Spry. See, he has the same zest for life that I do that you've mocked me for on this podcast today. So why do you not look like Pete Carroll? A lot of hard living, a lot of boozing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of complex carbs in the diet these days. Oh, good for you. I bet Pete Carroll hasn't touched a carb in like 15 years. Living up there in Seattle with everything. Leafy greens, uh, protein shakes, probably has like those copper lined sheets so he's like grounded. He probably does like a seven day fast, once a month, stuff like that.
1: Shout out to Pete Carroll's skin routine and diet, his skin regimen. Love that. All right, Pony. We will be back. What so what are you going to do? Are we going to do this
0: Monday? No, Thursday we're going to preview wild well, th- card th-
1: yeah, th- Okay, yeah, Thursday we're going to preview. Obviously, Thursday we'll preview the playoffs for Friday
0: morning and your weekend. But then should we wait? Yeah, we should. we should do it after Monday night, I think. Or should we do like... We'll let people know. I mean, we'll we'll send out a message about it or we'll something. Figure it. We'll, figure it,
1: we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. Because I, I kind of like the immediacy of Sunday night. But then we might just need to do like a special short thing for the Monday game.
0: I like that is, idea.
1: Which is Eagles-Bucks. Maybe we do that. Maybe cool. we do that. All right, All right. Danny. All right, man. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Tell a friend. We're here first in pod. Peace.